everybody, what's going on? It's Jesse Lee. You can call me hashtag Boss Lee or the People's Mentor, and this is episode 221 of the show. So I'm going to be on somebody else's podcast, but he said it's going to take six to eight weeks to come out, and so I literally recorded the whole interview for all of you, and it is all on leadership. I think this is a really strong podcast, and I felt like I was on fire when I was being interviewed, and so I think you're going to love it. As always, if you do, make sure you screenshot it, put it in your story, tag me on Instagram, and tag some friends along with your biggest takeaways. And I think there's a lot in this episode that you are definitely going to take away. So get off the treadmill, get off the road, take some notes. I love you guys so much. Today's reviewer of the show, and this is a Monday, which means it's a money Monday, $221. You have 24 hours to collect. Just DM me, make sure you share on Instagram story and tag some friends is VT022611, my personal lighthouse heart. Five stars. In the spring of 2017, I was laying in my bed awfully sick with what was about to be five months of hell, super depressed and down and having no hope, literally scared I was dying. It was that dark of a time. Then I got tagged in a Facebook live of this loud and energetic silly woman who I quickly learned was a six-figure earner. And when I say she just radiated the person I wanted to be, I mean it with everything. She was hashtag goals. I've watched the absolute trailblazer that is Jesse Lee every single day since. From termination to the loss of Nana to blowing out of candle and traveling the world as a multiple now seven-figure earner, I can I can promise you that she practices what she preaches and she will not lead you astray. This podcast will reality check you, get you into your heart space to do the real work, and then slap you on your booty and get you moving. Why are you still reading this? Like Jesse Lee says, let's go, 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 baby. Flame, flame, flame. Heart, heart, heart. I love it so much, and I wish I knew who V2022611 was, but I have no idea who that is. So thank you so much. You are the winner of the week. I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Enjoy episode 221 of the show. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for having me, Dove. I'm really excited to be here and uh, I'm excited to answer any questions and uh, have a really nice conversation. Yeah, me too. I'm, I love your story and I definitely want our listeners to hear your story because it's very, um, it's inspiring and we will get to that. But I want to start when we were talking uh, a few weeks ago, you told me this quote that I loved and I just wanted to start with it and get your why you even thought to mention that to me. And the quote is, you can have whatever you want as long as you help others get there. Yeah, uh, that's a Zig Ziglar quote. And it's one of my favorite quotes of all time, because I think it was something that changed like everything about how I led, I was stuck in a plateau probably a year, nine months, I don't know, into business. And I couldn't figure out how to get to that next level. And when I got stuck, uh, I don't know if it was a quote that like a leader gave me or if I read it somewhere, if I Googled it, I don't know. Uh, but that whole idea of if you help enough people get everything they want in life, you'll have everything you want. It made me realize that I was being very me-centric and if I wanted to have a successful business and a successful life and if I wanted to take the trips and have the houses and the cars and whatever else it is, then it was reliant on me helping other people step into their own leadership and live a life that they wanted. And so that has been my sole focus really now for the last nine years and I think that a lot of my success is due largely in part to that real mindset shift around that so yeah it's a quote that i that i like to live and breathe and, and lead by for sure and did you you are very successful now and you're moving at a mile you know a thousand miles an hour were you always like that growing up was like with the rose did the road always rise up to meet you has it always been easy was that how your adolescence was um where do you come from 
So the million miles a minute, yep. Uh, I came out screaming, my mom said, and I never stopped. The success, no, absolutely not. Um, I am so grateful for my for my past, everything in my past, because it's exactly why I am the person that I am today. So I grew up in poverty. I talk very openly about it. I was made fun of constantly throughout grade school. I didn't have clothes that fit. I didn't have enough. We didn't have enough food. I was raised by my grandparents. I. Uh, went through a domestic, uh, my family, not me personally, domestic violence. And I mean, it was nuts. And all of those things I think are all things I can look back on now. And I just have tremendous gratitude for them. I don't have anger. I don't have resentment. I see them all as learning lessons and building bricks that put me in positions to succeed and to win. Because I think when, you know, I said something on a, on a call I did the other day, I said, I can tell how many of you had easy lives. Like, I can tell how many of you had really good childhoods, is what I said. And these people kind of looked at me like I had seven heads. I'm like, I'm serious. Because if you actually went through stuff, then why are the words, why is the word no defeating you? Because I don't know about you, but my whole childhood, it was no. It was, it was stop asking almost, you know? It was like, no, you can't sit with us at lunch. No, you can't come with us. No, you're going to be the last one picked for the kickball team or whatever. No, you're no, don't even ask for for that food. We don't we don't get that here. No, don't ask for new clothes. No, don't ask for shoes. Like it was like no, 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 no. And so I was conditioned to just not care. You know, I was just conditioned, oh, it's just another word. But most people don't do that. Most people, it's like, they said no to my business. They said no to, to, my, to, to buying this product. They said no to an opportunity. And, and they get all like, uh, you know, upset and every, everything's woe is me and the world is ending. The sky is falling. And I'm like, you were just, you were just babied or something. I don't know. But um, I've been through some stuff and I'm so, so thankful for it because I know that it makes me, it makes me a much better leader. Interesting. I, you know what? I'm curious about this where you're like, you talked about being very open about your, your, your origins. I remember, um, being once in college and meeting a friend of someone new and we were talking and he mentioned that they moved around a lot. And I said, why did you move so much? And he said, cause we were poor and it totally stopped me. And that's why I even remember it to this day because it was just so honest yeah. And it's something that we tend to not be honest about, you know, we want to make everyone think that somehow we had different lives, whether it was all perfect and happy or was, it wasn't as deprived as it was, but it seems like part of your strength and part of how you go through the world is with this, this real blunt honesty. Yeah. Um, I think that there's not enough of it. And I think that business has shifted so much in the 10 years that I've been an entrepreneur. Uh, as an example, when I, when I joined, it was a lot of stand in front of fancy cars and pretend they're yours. It was a lot of, um, you know, hold somebody else's handbag and, and, you know, fake your success. And I'm so grateful for the internet digital age because it's exposed so much. It's exposed the Photoshop. It's exposed the fake news. It's exposed all this stuff. And I think that that allows people who are actually going to lead to lead. I think we are in a, an age now of leadership where authenticity is shining. It's not about being the most polished. It's not about being, you know, perfect at all. It's about showing up and showing you're ugly. And I think when you do that, it makes people go, oh my gosh, I can relate to that. Okay, that's a leader I can get behind because I, I feel like I connect with her on some kind of level. She's, n- she's, not, she's not perfect, you know? She shows up with the messy bun or she shows up with a t-shirt on or she shows up with, you know, you know, the cars aren't washed or whatever it is. And I think that when you do that, people go, oh, oh, thank God, somebody real. Right. 
Yeah, it's interesting now that we all have the ability to basically be be broadcasters, you know, with our with our equipment that there's that now it's not so important that it looks so perfect. In fact, that's something that can make us, you know, think twice about it because it looked like someone's trying to put something over on us. And there's that authenticity that can't be that can't really be faked. Yes. To go to your point. Yep. So I'm curious, how have you been able to where is that attitude, the resilience, the grit come from overcoming circumstance or, or failure or any or overcoming? No, is it? It can't just be having had, uh, you know, heard no when you were growing up or had a harder circumstance. Like, was that self, was you just born that way or was it you worked on it? How did that come from? I don't think anybody's born <laughs> with that. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that is one of those nurture thing or yeah, that's, that's a nurture thing. That's not a nature thing. Uh, resil- I think it's a lot of situations, not just the word no, but uh, as an example, my first le- real leadership position, I was nine years old. I, I sent my dad to jail. I mentioned the domestic violence thing, but I sent my dad to jail and then, and my mom is not fit to mother. So that threw me into a leadership position. I have three siblings. So it was like, okay, who's going to be, okay. So the nine-year-old's going to be the one who gets people up for school. Okay. So the nine-year-old's going to make sure there's dinner. Like there was so much resistance and I think the resistance created the resilience and then I think as it continued it became a deep-rooted why like why are you showing up because like there's no I don't need to show up on something like this in a sense of monetarily I don't need this I don't need more exposure I don't I don't know how to spend the money I make so this is this is not a money thing. So what are you showing up for? What are you playing for? What is your deep-rooted reason that you're doing stuff? And for me, it's legacy a lot. For me, it's impact a lot. For me, I travel the world and I get on stages and I look out in the audience to people and I see you know tears in people's eyes because I'm seeing the, tra- the possible trajectory of their entire legacy of their families being changed because they decided to show up that day or they allowed me to pour into them or they allowed me to actually, they allowed themselves to actually hear what I had to say. And so, uh, I think that what, what are you playing for? What are you doing this for? Why are you showing up? Uh, and I think that those, those reasons and, and then just a big storm of all kinds of crazy situations in my childhood, I think are why I am so resilient, I would say. Right. So, yeah. So let me ask you, why are you doing all this? How did you get from, I need to make rent to, getting to a place where you're like, I, I'm not even doing this now from a monetary point of view. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like I just said, I, I show up for other people, you know, my work for me here is kind of done. <laughs> it's not in the sense of I'm such a competitor that I'm not ever going to quit, but this is, this can't be about me anymore. I've already changed the, I've changed my family's legacy for generations to come, you know? So I broke the generational curse, if you will. Right. But I look out there, like I said, in audiences, it, the, the first time I realized what it was for was, uh, or what I was really playing for was I was in Germany in Freiburg and I'm, I'm staring out at hundreds and hundreds of people. And a man says, why are you here? And I said, Oh, you know, I'm here for why not? You know, I don't want to go back to crying in the cars that don't work or, you know, I don't want to, you know, all the bad crap from my past is what I told him basically. Right. And then I said, and then I said like what I just said to you, which is no, wait a minute. I'm here for you. Because there is somebody here that I'm connecting with, I know I am, that is going to go out of here and change their family's legacy. 
And then I got like full body chills. I start crying and I'm like, oh my gosh, you know, it's that deeper purpose where you're changing, you're leaving a lot, you're, you're leaving a lasting legacy. And so I think about, you know, all of us are going to live and all of us are going to die. But you look at, you look at the billions of people who have come and gone off this earth. What makes people memorable? Like what makes somebody Google your name 200 years from now? You know, why do we still talk about George Washington or Pocahontas or Caesar or Cleopatra or whatever? Why do we know those names? Well, because they left an impact. It wasn't about how many millions of, no one knows what Caesar was worth. Who cares? It wasn't about any of that. It was the lasting impact. So that's the first thing is that I'm here to leave an impact and, the, and make the world a better place and make other people's worlds a better place. That's very important to me on a very deep level. And then my other real word for it is just control. And I think that's because of, again, my childhood. But I know that if I show up, I can control things. I know that if I continue to show up and play at the level that I show up at, I'm putting myself in situations to continually succeed. I'm putting myself in situations where I get to control what school district my children in the future go to. I get to control having the wedding I want, not the wedding that, oh, okay, well, yeah, get the cheaper one. It's not what I want, but it'll be fine. I get to control if I fly first class or if I got to take a bus, you know, I get to control the kind of food I eat, the quality of food in my life, which then directly is me controlling my health. Like people don't realize every single decision you make is getting you one step closer or one step further from everything, from, from everything you want in life. And I try, and we're making, I think they say that you make 40,000 decisions a day. I would at least like my conscious decisions to be ones that I'm proud of. Not ones that I sit back and I go, Oh, for God's sake, like Jesse Lee, come on. Uh, and so, yeah, those are, I guess my two, my two whys. <laughs> uh-huh. Did you, when you were thrust into this caretaking role at a young age at nine, was that natural for you? Like, did you like, I was always the caretaker or was it more like, man, you looked around and realized this is what needs to happen. Um, I think by nature, I'm a nurturer. There's that, but that's not a leader. It's not the same thing necessarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think right. it was more like yeah. filling a gap. And I mean, it is so funny when I look back on all of the different experiences in my life, because you really get to see how much you grow as a leader. Um, you know, no, I don't think I was great by any means at nine years old. I also don't think I was very great when uh, my my first you know real leadership role, if you will, I was the drum major of the marching band in my high school. So I'm the conductor, right? So I'm in control of everything when I'm doing that. And it's like, I think back on those days and I was such a bad leader. <laughs> I mean, so bad. Like the, like, I mean, I guess I had potential or they wouldn't have chose. I think I was just musically inclined. I don't know that there was leadership potential. Uh, but no, I think that I look back, I think of examples. Like I remember one time everything looked and sounded terrible. And instead of just stopping and saying, it's okay guys, like reset. I like bullied that. Like, Oh God, I just, I have so many memories in my head where I'm like, Jesse Lee 2020 would never, like, never. Uh, and I hope that gives people, uh, you know, some peace that leadership is a verb. I teach, I teach people this constantly. Leadership is a verb. Leadership is action. Leadership is what you actually are going to do. And so I try to make sure that I'm actively being somebody that people want to follow, that want to be led by. And that is certainly not who I was. Uh, and that is certainly who I, I aim to be now. And then I, I strive to be a better leader every single day. 
Yeah, you know, it's funny. I do this for a living, right? I do. I'm a team builder. I'm an executive coach. I remember going back to my 25th high school reunion and finding my basketball teammate and saying, I need to apologize to you because I was a terrible teammate and not a good leader. And it felt great. We had a really great conversation from that. But going back to that authenticity we were talking about, so much better than if I had tried to be like, oh, things are great with me. How are you? (laughs) Exactly. How do you deal with... um, failure how do you deal when things don't go don't go well um i love failure because failure is the fastest way to learn (laughs) so (laughs) i don't think anyone's ever failing i think that they're learning i think i think you're either winning or you're learning i don't look at it as a failure uh and i I say that in anything even when it comes to being you know i was terminated from a a company or uh when I, i i tell people i fail more every day than most people will in a year you know, my, my go for no game is strong. I don't care. Like you go, can I'm say, sorry, go for no. Is that what you said? Yeah, I don't care. I, I'm trying to sell to you. So I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask, I'm going to ask hundreds of people. I don't care. I got, I have a goal. So regardless, you know, and if you tell me no, and you yell at me and you give me an example of why you don't like what I said, well, then I'm going to learn from that. You know, if I, if I fall over on stage, that's never happened, knock on wood. But if I fall over on a stage, like, I'm just going to learn to wear different shoes. I don't know. You know, it's like, I don't look at anything as, oh, it's devastating. No, it's not. Like, what did you, what did you learn from that experience? Did you get laughed at? Good. You know, it's, it's like they say about stand-up comedians. I heard this on a podcast months ago, and it's, oh, it's, it's stuck with me because I love it. They said that the best thing that can ever happen to a stand-up comedian is, is they bomb. It's the strongest tool because they start, they go, oh, that didn't work, but they liked it until I said this, or they liked it until my voice inflected like that. And they'll go and they'll do the exact same joke that bombed again with a minor tweak to see how they can fix it. But they don't scratch the entire joke because they got to figure out what it is. They've got to figure out, was it, was it too crude? Did I, did my voice go too high here? Did I get too, uh, like, was it not enough energy? Was it my face? They have to do it over and over and over and over and over again. It must've been Joe Rogan who said it. I don't know. Uh, but, uh, or somebody on his podcast maybe, but I thought that was so powerful because if all you do is win, then you never learn. So this, this fear of failure that is so prevalent in our society, it's stupid because if everything you're doing is winning, then you are not growing. If people aren't laughing at you, you're not doing enough. If people are not talking about you, you're not doing enough. When I, when I find out people are, oh, she's posted about you again, I'm like, good, 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 good. Like you want people, you want people to critique you because inside of every single critique, even if it's a stupid one, it, there's some truth. And what can you learn from that? Where can you grow from that? But everything you do in life is an opportunity to grow. So um, I, I, I don't fear fear failure at all like I'm all about it like let's crash and burn and let's let's build from build from that you know you say that with such you know I feel that it's like part of your being but it's like for most of us like asking and getting a no there's like there's a an an emotional cost with that Mm -hmm. right so we don't need that but it feels like that you don't you don't have that cost. I, and I really admire that. You're just like, I can ask, you can say no. Okay. And I can ask again, no harm, no foul. So I, I talked a little bit of crap about my mom earlier. <laughs> Not too bad, but I said, you know, she's just unfit to mother. I will get, I will give her credit where credit is due, which is one of the things she taught me at a very young age. She said, uh, you know, I was probably six years old if that. And she just said, you know, I was like your typical kid that was scared of adults and scared of no and whatever, scared of asking adults for stuff. And two things she said, she said, the first thing she said was, uh, adults are just big kids 
and they screw up just as much as kids do. And I was like, oh, okay. Because, you know, when, especially when you're a kid, you're putting all these adults on pedestals like they're perfect and know everything, sure. which is just yeah. silly. And then the second thing she said was, has a no ever killed anyone? No. Stop being so scared of it. I was like, you are so sassy, lady. Okay. No, but um, but she was right. You know, it's like, and maybe that's not actually true. I'm sure some people have died from saying, I don't know, whatever. But the general principle remains, which of course is, you know, in, in sales anyway, in business, nobody's dying. It just hits your ego a little bit. But I think that if you teach and train and coach people as you lead them, that no is not no, I don't like you. No is not no, you suck. No is not no, I hate you. No is not no, you're the worst person ever. I block you. Blah. Like no just means no, I don't want your opportunity. No, I don't want your service. No, I don't want your business. No, I don't want your coaching. No, I don't want whatever. And maybe it's a no, not right now. And so if you get super emotionally attached to a no, again, it doesn't allow you to grow. And so everything I look at in life is, you know, are, are you are you growing or are you dying? Because you're, you're going one of the directions. Oh. Yeah. No, I really like that. Like you had said before, you're either winning or you're learning. For your business, how how far of you do you take? Are you looking at like a quarterly number? Or is it like a five-year plan? How, where do you adjust your horizon as you're building your business? Um, so I am <laughs> – this is a crazy thing. I feel like I'm like – I don't know if you speak any Italian, but I'm a stregapazza, which means crazy witch, I swear. But like I'm not actually crazy and I'm not a witch, but like that's what they call me in Italy sometimes because anything I say comes true. Like if I say – uh, I said a few, I said two years ago, I said, we're going to sell $300 million in the next three years. And it's like over here, you know, we're on year two and I'm like, how is it even possible that the goal was too small? So I'm kind of one of those people where it's like, we better, we better, we better up the goals, you know? And I'm one of those people where, uh, I like to run, hit the goal and then readjust, run, hit the goal and readjust, run, hit the goal and readjust. And so you know, every month I set a goal for the business, uh, every month for overall, uh, sales and growth and things of that nature. And then, you know, aside from that, I have a overall income goal that I would like to achieve, uh, specifically in my profession. And then, uh, but that's it. It's not like, a, Oh, here's my, five. cause, cause every time I say a five-year plan, I do it in like a year and it's screw And I'm like, Oh, come on. So I don't like to put time limits on it, but I, I do like, I certainly like to, uh, to, to, you know, kind of go all out and, and make the impossible possible. So I have to ask just because you have such this, like, see it, do it. If it's in front of you, jump over it. What was a big challenge professionally that you had to overcome? Yeah. I mean, not come easy. Yeah. Huh? Uh, I have two, but one, I'll just say the one that's pretty obvious, I guess I was terminated from a company three years ago, almost to the day. And when that happened, it, it's not like it was like, oh, you're terminated. Here's your severance package. It was like, you're terminated. Now you're getting defamed. Now we're slandering you now. I mean, it was nuts. I had to sue the company. It was like, I ended up going through a messy, crazy divorce. All of my in-person friends are like, bye. It was just like the ultimate betrayal. And I sat there, I'm like, I, I had a moment where I said to a group chat, I said, am I the crazy person? Like something here is crazy. This is, this is actually nuts. And so that was my biggest challenge for a lot of reasons. But at the same time, it was my biggest blessing. And I would encourage every single person listening to this to understand your biggest challenges do end up becoming your biggest blessings. And that life is truly and honestly happening for you, not to you. I look back on that now after three years and 
What a gift. I am so aligned with what I do. My success levels now, it's almost like I was such a little ant, but I thought I was big, hot stuff, you know? I thought I was amazing three years ago. And now I look back, I'm like, wow, I kind of sucked. Okay, and now I'm like, wow, three years later, I'm doing great. But I, ha- I now have the perspective because I was humbled to say, you still are nothing. You still have a lot more to go. You still got places to go, people to see, you know, things to invest in, lives to change. And so when I was going through just, I mean, like I said, betrayals that you can't even, it, we don't have time to go through. Uh, it just, it, it really put me, put things in perspective for me. It really showed me that all of these, these things, like life is not going to be perfect, right? And again, it was an opportunity to grow. And so I look at a lot of people when they, and I coach a lot of people when they go through tough times or they feel like their life is ending. I'm like, do you understand this is just your beginning? Do you understand that in order for a butterfly to fly, it has to be a caterpillar that gets cocooned and all that yucky stuff. And then, and if you help break the butterfly out, the butterfly never flies because the wings never develop. But if the butterfly has to basically tear and, 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 and do like, you know, scratch and claw its way out, its wings are strong and it flies. And you have to go through that. You have to go through the pain. You have to go through the struggle. You have to go through the traumas. And then the other thing I'll say on that is that traumas are actually not unique. And a lot of people like to think that their traumas are unique. And I don't say that to sound like a jerk because, yes, you have traumas. Every single one of you listening to this, you have real traumas. Some are worse than others for sure. But the idea that humans do not go through tough times or that humans are all like, no, they they don't know what it's like to struggle. Yes, they do. And I will tell you the people that you admire the most probably have the biggest struggles than anybody you know. They have overcome more because you cannot lead people through the fire if you have not been through it. You just can't. Mm -hmm. You just can't. If you haven't been knocked down, you don't have the skill set and the capabilities to lead somebody through the minefield. You don't know. You don't have the map. But if you've been somebody who has been torn down and beaten and bruised and just absolutely destroyed, then you go, hey, 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 Dove, it's okay. I've been there. You're going to get through this. I know it doesn't feel like it right now, but you're going to get through this. And then it changes people's entire perspectives and then you can lead them through that. But without the, without the valleys, there's no, you know, without, without the valleys, there's no peaks. Without the darkness, there's no light. Without the waves crashing down, like there's, there's nothing. You have to have the bad to appreciate the good. And I think that society's turned into this like, no, it's always going to be rainbows and sunshine. No, it's not. And ironically, you wouldn't even like it if it were. It would be like the Truman Show. Right. And I think that's a great point, which is we, we tend to see, um, you know, setbacks and failures if, as a, going back, almost like these character flaws and, oh, it's only me. And we can't see that broader horizon, which is just like you're saying, like, who wants, what kind of world would you live in if it always went your way? It wouldn't even make any, you know, we wouldn't even know how to, how to react in that kind of situation. So it's, it is important to see everything. Um, who was it? Oh, James Baldwin has a great quote, which is life's like a water wheel. And the key is to hold your nose when you're under and don't get too dizzy when you're up. <laughs> I it's like going to come back around. Yeah. Right. Um, have you, so I, I see you as someone that is a super self-starter and is really kind of, you know, through their own determination and grit paved your way in this world. Are there, is there anybody that has served as a mentor to you or given you some great advice along the way that you would tip your hat to and be like, yeah, I've had some people looking out for me. 
Um, there's several. I don't think anybody, it's like I just said, I don't think anybody goes through this through any of anything in life alone. So like my greatest mentor was my Nana. Um, she just, she taught me God everything. (laughs) She, I, I I don't even know if I'd be alive without that woman. So I got to give some, some, some hats off to her. Uh, she just, she taught me so many things. She taught me integrity. She taught me character. She told me reputation doesn't matter. It it, it matters what your character actually is. Um, she taught me the value. Interesting. Yeah. Character matters. Reputation doesn't. Yeah. Cause what you think about me is not necessarily true. But if at every night I lay my head on a pillow and I know exactly the kind of woman I am, well, then what are we even talking about? Because people are going to talk about you anyway. Because mm-hmm. I was, you know, I came home probably from middle school, like, ah! you know, she's like, oh, sit down, child. No, but, uh, but just so, you know, I could go on and on and on. So many life lessons. And, you know, she passed away in 2017 and I was both devastated, uh, in so many ways. But at the same time, I have so many life lessons from her, you know, hard work, you know, she taught me the value of hard work. She taught me the, the value of, uh, loyalty. Absolutely. She was loyal to a fault. Uh, I never heard her speak, uh, never heard her speak negatively about anybody. And I know people say that sometimes, but there are honest to God, two people on planet earth that I've never heard speak negatively about anybody. One is this girl, Julia, that I grew up with. Never. I w- we would always try to, to get her to say something. Never. She's like, I'm like, oh, you're an angel, whatever. And then Nana, that's it. Uh, so just power positive, just amazing. And then, uh, in business, you know, I, um, I am a huge fan of Eric Worre. I don't even know if you know who he is. He's very uh, industry specific to, to an industry that I'm part of, but just in, in general vision, you know, I, I had a conversation with him and I said, this is four years ago. I said, you know, Eric, I, I want to, um, you know, I want to be the number one earner in my company. And he looked at me and I'm in the, sitting in the back seat of his Rolls Royce <laughs> and he looks at me with like a crazy eyed face. And I'm like, what? He's like, that is not a good goal. I went, what? He goes, no, no, no. You need to be the first female in this profession that is single and makes a million dollars a month. And I went, what? Like it was one of those, whoa, kind of moments, but he's had so many moments like that, that have expanded my vision and shown me what's actually possible for you. Cause I think it's important that people know that the limit does not exist except for what you set in your mind. And so that's changed everything. And so then I've got mentors in other, in other things, of course. And I'm, I'm a huge, like, I'm a big fan of Gary Vaynerchuk for sure. Um, I've, I've, I don't consume nearly as much as I probably should, but I love him. Um, I'm a big fan of Ed Milet, big fan of Lewis Howes. I don't know if I would call them mentors, but I am somebody who I, I, I have a tremendous respect for people who are self-made. I have a tremendous respect for people who came maybe from not uh, not ideal circumstances and have, you know, just had, um, just, you know, monumental amounts of success. Um, but you know, and then mentors, of course, who have passed away, Zig Ziglar, we started with his quote. Absolutely. I'll never meet him, but, um, I read his quotes sometimes when I just need to get back in the mindset. Same thing with Jim Rohn, uh, at the beginning of my entrepreneurial career, a little over nine years ago, the only reason I even opened or even started listening to his CDs was because this, this is aging me, I guess, but whatever. Uh, you know, those little CD things that we used to put in our cars, like with all the CDs and you would put it like on your visor or whatever. Yes. Yes. So like some people listening will be like, what is that? What is a CD? Uh, so anyway, but I left my little CD thing in my house 
So the only CD I had in my car, somebody had burned me a Jim Rohn CD. And I was like, I'm never going to listen to this crap. I'm going to listen to music in the car. And I had thrown it in the, um, like the car door, the little, uh, you know, yeah. pocket sort of thing. And I took, I was like, well, I don't, I got to drive three hours, you know, like I can't listen to nothing because my radio is broken. I'm broke at the time. Right. And so I popped this CD in and I'm sitting there like, Oh my gosh. And so that was my first sort of brainwashing by somebody. And uh, I say that a lot when it comes to personal development. I say, yes, I am brainwashing you. Yes, everyone who does personal development is brainwashing you. But you get brain you get brainwashed six other days a week with negativity, with, oh, you're doing too much, with, whoa, 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 slow down. Why are you working so hard? Chill out. Like, get that out of your head. Like, this word average, do you even know how average is made? Average is by taking the 1% where you know darn well you want to be and averaging it, doing your little mathematic equation with 99% of other people and then somewhere in there, is average like you don't actually want to be average you don't actually want to be the person i found out gains on average wait this might be wrong i read i heard this the other day and i don't know if i'm going to say the right statistics so this don't quote me on it but there was something that was like the average adult gains a pound a month from like age 45 and a half or something like seriously until the day they die which if you look at the at the way a lot of people you know pass away and you're like oh yeah especially in our country quite morbid obesity like Oh, but it's that little average, average, average. Oh, it's just one pound. Oh, it's just one pound. Oh, it's just one pound. Well, then you look back five years from now, you're like, what happened? How did I put on 60 pounds? Right. So, I don't know, crazy. Got it. I don't even know if that answers the question, but I think I answered it. (laughs) I think you did. I'm just, I just love this idea of of the serendipity of of life where you would listen to that Jim Rohn CD because you didn't have anything else to listen to. Yeah. And your radio is broken, Mm -hmm. right? When you have the opportunity to mentor others or coach others, how, how do you do that? What is your secret for unlocking their potential? Uh, You know, there's a lot of different things. Something I say a lot is that I think people just need to borrow belief sometimes. I think we have a society that's just really, I don't call anybody broken, but I think very bent. And I think that start, I think there's a lot of comparison game, you know, uh, the perfectly Photoshopped photos on Instagram or, you know, the best angles ever on Facebook or, you know, uh, I hate it, but you know, TikTok, these, I'm pretty sure 12 year old girls with their teeny tiny little itty bitty bodies. And people are looking at that like, why do I have curves? Why do I whatever? And so I think that that, crushes people and so I just tell people you know borrow borrow my belief if you're not going to believe in yourself right now let me believe in you because there's nothing really that complicated about business none of us are doing rocket science none of us are performing heart surgery none of us are doing anything actually difficult but we spend a lot of our time saying oh well that person's doing it better than me that person's doing it faster than me that person looks better than me whatever it is not understanding that that's probably so untrue. And then it really just comes down to, you know, find out where their strengths lie because everybody has strengths. And if you want to build confidence in people, find out where those strengths are and then, and then highlight them. You know, I don't, I don't, I do not subscribe to the Michael Jordan method, which everybody says is, and I don't even know if this is true, but everyone's like, well, Michael Jordan was terrible at defense. And so he decided to get really good at defense. And then Michael Jordan was terrible at, Sorry, dog walker. Michael Jordan was terrible at free throws, and so he spent a million hours learning free throws. I'm like, I don't subscribe to that. Like, I want you to double down, triple down, quadruple down on your strengths. 
Why? Because I want you to be more confident. I want you to go, you know what? Today sucks, but you know what I'm really good at? I'm really good at uh, cooking pasta. I have no idea why I just said that, but whatever. <laughs> right? And then go make some freaking pasta and be proud of yourself. Because confidence actually comes from, from staying loyal to yourself. I, I believe this. Because what I see is a lot of people, when I'm trying to coach, lead, train, etc., it's like, They make a promise to themselves and they break it. And then they make a promise to themselves and they break it. And they make a promise to themselves and they break it over and over and over and over again. It wears and tears on people's souls. So that the next time they say, oh, I'm going to hit this goal, in their subconscious mind before anything even happens, they're like, yeah, right, girl, that is never going to happen. You quit on yourself all the time. You said you weren't going to eat that, that hostess cake. And there you are unwrapping the hostess cake again, right? Like, And so I tell people, Baby Steps, Baby Steps, Baby Steps, Tiny Habits is a great book by BJ Fogg. Because I tell people, I'm like, just build the tiny habits around little stuff in your life. It's not about running the marathon. It's about putting the shoes on and going on a quick three-minute walk. Like, it's about these tiny, tiny, tiny little things so you can build confidence in people so they can do the things that they're already strong at. And then they can build that confidence to go take over the world. But too many people are trying to, oh, you know you're bad at organization. So what? You're going to go take a feng shui class? Screw that. No. Like double down on, I don't know, cleaning. I'm not good at cleaning. Okay, but you clean. Somebody else organizes. You make some money cleaning. I don't know. Hire an organization person. Like there's just so much of this. And again, I don't know where it came from, but it's certainly our culture right now where people are, oh, let me get good at everything. It's not a thing. It's just not a thing. Interesting. So do what you're great at. You'll love your life more. Double down on your strengths. Like you said. Uh, you know, you mentioned something. Uh, and I was thinking about it later. You said, borrow my belief. Borrow my belief in you. You strike me as someone that obviously lots of energy and positivity. Like, have you found you've almost always had that ability to almost give your energy to others? Like, I could see that you can do that on stage was a big part of it. But do mm-hmm. you, does that ring true to you? And if it does, do you remember when you first became aware that you had this? Yeah. Um, (laughs) thank you. Energy is my God given gift for sure. So I, it doesn't matter if I get no sleep, you're going to get this. Uh, but with that said, I think I realized maybe like six or seven years ago, I was like, Ooh, I'm like, there's like something like magical about me. I don't know what all this is. Uh, but I, I, there was a definite, Ooh, there's, there's an awareness. Yeah, there's, it's almost, I wrote, I wrote a caption just last night about it. I have like a vortex. My energy is so strong. I will suck you in. You'll get magnetized. And I didn't really realize that until, you know, maybe six years ago. Cause I would talk and people, oh my, you know, they, oh, let me turn the podcast on. Usually I can listen for 10 minutes and they're like, how is it 40 minutes later? I can't shut her off. Like, I, I don't know. So, uh, so I think there's definitely, I think that's my gift. I can't lie about it. I think that all of us yeah. have our God-given gifts. You are all, everyone listening to this, there is something you are better than me at. I am an energy bomb for sure. So, yeah. <laughs> Got it. Uh, this has been so fascinating. I love hearing I get it. I get it. I am experiencing it right now and enjoying the talk. I do have one last question for you, sure. which is how do you want people to feel when they're around you? Uh, my, I guess my, oh, that's a great question. I don't know if I have a word, but I would say probably if there were a word, it would be warmth. And I think warmth. that's my nurturing side. Cause again, mm-hmm. warmth then encompasses things like joy, right? It encompasses things like confidence. It encompasses things like passion, uh, and so many different 
words. Really, I just want people to feel. I think we go through life and people are, they're so robotic. You get in the car and you go to work and you don't even remember how you got to work because it's all routine. I don't even remember getting on the highway. How did that happen? So I just want people to feel, I want people to feel again. I think, again, we're in a society where it's just wake up, do this, go to sleep, then repeat over and over and over again. There's so many people who are just in a groundhog day. And I hope that every time somebody hears me speak, uh, it just connects them on a different level, deeper level, and they can just feel again. Yeah. Right. Well, this has been great. Jesse Lee, thank you for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I, there, there are definitely things I'm glad I took some notes because I'm going to want to listen to this again and kind of percolate on this because you gave us, you gave us a lot to think about. So thank you so much. I really appreciated it. And, um, I hope we stay in touch.